Um, and really that was really interesting because in I had conducted these interviews over a nine month period. And early on in my interview process, I talked with the CTO of Facebook and I'd been like, you know, it's really interesting that you created this centralized team to work specifically on AI bias issues and also other issues around the way that algorithms impact society. Why did you do that? Why should, why shouldn't all the teams be working on this sort of in their own domain? Because Facebook is organized based on different parts of the platform. Like they have a team that focused on pages, on groups, on ads, on newsfeed. And I was like, doesn't it make sense to just have a uh, newsfeed AI bias team or a groups AI bias team? Like why have this centralized team that's separate from all of these product teams? And he said, well, that's best practice. When we have a really important issue that we need to develop expertise on, we quickly form a team so that they have some kind of camaraderie, they have the right leadership, they have some priorities and budget and headcount uh, put on that problem. And they then need to work close with Mark, expertise. right? They also got to work really yeah. close with Mark Zuckerberg, they're right around and his desk, according to your article. Exactly. And Mark Zuckerberg's response to all of this a lot of the time was, um, you know, we're not going to do anything to damage our user engagement, which is basically the growth of the amount of time that users visit their site, um, which is... Exactly. So basically, even though he was presented with evidence that he could, in fact, stop the radicalization that was happening on Facebook by changing some of the algorithms that this team presented to him, he refused because he didn't want to impact growth. That was his number one priority is to make sure that growth continued. And to this day, that's his number one priority. Completely. There's this there's this detail in, I believe, a Wall Street Journal article that I read that had also covered a lot of these issues um, that I didn't actually put into my piece. But there was a conversation that Mark had where a group of people, engineers within the company had done some study um, showing how these algorithms were really exacerbating the amount of polarizing content on the platform presents it to Mark and Mark says, well, then change the algorithm by they had proposed this whole thing and he was like, no, like change it like halfway, but also stop talking to me about changing our algorithms for social good. Mm. I'm tired just not of interested. that. Just not interested in any of that. That just says so yeah. much. There's something else just before I pass it on to the rest of the team here, but it, it seems to me that, you know, the, the, the onboarding of some of these extremists into organizations like the one we spoke to spoke about earlier on the show, the Oath Keepers, or even there was a case in Michigan um, you remember that case where they were trying to kidnap the, the governor in Michigan? One of those people yeah. that landed up being an FBI informant in that case was recruited in Facebook, on Facebook. And it just came up as a recommendation to join a group. He said he was just an ordinary guy and up on Facebook it said, hey, we recommend you join this group, which turned out to be a radical militia. And he joined the group. <laughs> when he got there, he realized what it was all about, started becoming an FBI informant seems to me that that's a lot of what this AI seems to be doing. Now, they may have stopped that particular practice, but the idea that uh, Facebook is recruiting these militias and radicalizing these people in real lives, they're not just radicalizing them online, they're, you know, they're bringing them out into these, into these militias. That is very, very dangerous to society. It's extremely dangerous. And there are two details in my piece that I, I want to bring up. One is I spoke with this researcher, AI researcher who had worked at Facebook, who he basically gave me the, the, the like very detailed description of how, what Facebook knows about each of its users. 
And he said, we can literally measure what your opinion is on a specific issue from like something like the president to something like your local school board, like very nuanced measurement of these opinions. And we can track over time how you become more polarized. And on every single issue, no matter how hyperlocal or national or international, everyone measurably becomes more polarized over time. Hmm. And so, so regardless, regardless of anything. Scary. And then on top of that, what you were saying about the fact that these recommendation algorithms are actually recommending people to join these extre- extremist groups. There was another researcher, internal researcher, Monica Lee, um, who had literally conducted a study back in 2016, where she found that over 60% of the people in these extremist groups had joined these groups directly because of Facebook's recommendation algorithm saying you might be interested in this group. Wow, what was the number? How many people? Over 60%. 60%? Yeah. Facebook Facebook has recruited 60% of, of these people in militias. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that sounds like sounds like a crime to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Any thoughts about uh, about this? Anybody? To me, to me, it definitely sounds like a crime. Um, excellent reporting. Like my my hats off to you because it couldn't be anything more important. Because if you if you control that, you control a people, you know, and you mm. control a political future of the country. And you know, remember in Asia where there was there was people who were being like maliciously influenced by Facebook, and they told Mark Zuckerberg, you know, people are getting killed because they're spreading rumors on Facebook, and he didn't want anything to do with it, you know, and he didn't put any like you know security in place to stop it because like Greg and like everyone has said, you know, he wants to expand you know user engagement. So. To me, it's just terrifying because I think there's nothing scarier than when somebody thinks they discovered something on their own. And you can manipulate these people with micro-targeting. You know, Kushner helped Trump win by finding people in Michigan who, you know, had voted for Obama last time but also listened to Ted Nugent and, you know, supported the NRA. And then they were able to give them disinformation that said, you know, Hillary Clinton is this and that. And, you know, you're able to put it in front of these people, but then they sort of feel like they're finding it on their own mm. and then they tell their friends about it. So, you know, if you dangle, join a militia, militia group, you know, do something with all this rage that we've now built up in you, you know, in this false information, you know, it's, 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 a, sure, it's a sure fire way to build an army that, that is like d- d- terrifying. It's just yeah. terrifying because we don't know what the control defenses their minds, are. Yeah. What's, Right. What's the antidote to that? You know, these people believe it. You know, it becomes a part of their psychological makeup. I've been saying a lot about Facebook for four years. So yeah. anybody who's <laughs> followed me, it's not, they are not, um, there's nothing mysterious about my my belief of who and what Mark Zuckerberg is, who and what Sheryl Sandberg is, who owns these people, um, and how they were compromised very early, especially Mark. Um, by the burn rate that Facebook was uh, uh, having at a time when we were facing recession. He didn't want to go public. He ended up over at the Kremlin, pimping himself out for some money from some oligarchs that I call mobligarchs because he was one of the great, biggest heroin traffickers on the planet. That's what's going on, everybody. If you just go back and look at this guy's money, you look at the, why, why did he have a forced Kaspersky download and didn't disclose that to anybody after he picked up a couple hundred million dollars when he was in a pinch? These are, these are, these are piercing issues that I think even a Senate 
committee can get their minds around. But I do believe, Karen, you're the first journalist that I have seen covering Facebook. And I wanted to say this to you. I, was ex- I just was excited. I, I, I didn't see your piece earlier. Zev showed it to me. And then I was like, holy shit. I think that you have found the language and the way of explaining the sinister um, intent of this company uh, that regulators can get their minds around, that the Senate can get their mind around. Because Mark has been doing this, and Cheryl, and, and all the tech guys, they come in and they do this shuffle in front of the committees of, of doing their tech babble, their Silicon Valley garbage that just comes out of their mouth about what their platforms are. We're a platform, but we're not a news, and blah, 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 blah. Um, and every, you know, all those senators get really confused because it's still like mysticism to them that, that you know, mm-hmm. an email gets sent, right? It's just they don't get it at all. So, uh, uh, but you have been able to sort of say they're, they're engineering us. And they know they're engineering us because they have a very specific group that studies that. And the guy at the head of that group is the one who came up with the engineering to begin with. So not only do they know what they're doing, they have control over this and they're refusing accountability, but they are studying people. And that is also psychological experimentation without informed consent. Absolutely. Uh, That's a crime. So there's crime. This is a this is a this is a crime scene. This is just mm. a bloody crime scene that's been going on. Okay, so very excited that you're here. I just wanted to have my little rant there. But Karen, I want to ask you, what about Myanmar? Did you get a chance to ask them about the social engineering that they were doing in other nations that were that have provably led to genocide? Um, are they studying that? Are they studying their own genocide? Or, or what? What? If they're going to study really good question. society, I would think a genocide would be right at the top of the list of, uh-oh, well, that's a really good that. question. Are, are they? Do you know um, what they are? To be honest, I, have, I don't have an answer to that because I didn't ask. Okay. And what's, uh, what's really interesting is through the, through the reporting process, I had to sort of do this dance where I had to phrase my questions in a way that were tough, but not too tough to scare them off. Mm-hmm. Um, and what and what ended up happening was um, I had I had about eight interviews with Joaquin Quinonero, Um and in the first seven, I kind of slowly amped up my questions to be tougher and tougher. But the eighth one, the eighth one actually happened a month after the Capitol rides, and it was the only one that happened after that specific event. And the moment that I asked about the Capitol rides in that interview, I was no longer granted interviews moving forward. Mm. They shut you down. So they keep a very, very tight lid on the information. They, they I mean, they, the other thing that was really tricky was there's a very tough company line that all of the leadership are trained to sort of stick to and they will never cross over it because I assume there are very dire consequences if you cross over that. Um, And so I sort of had to like feel my way along the edges of the company line and always kind of like dance just within it just enough so that I could get 
the right information that I needed before progressing on to, to try and build my understanding of the company before trying to jump over that line. Um, and, and the one time that I did end up really hammering Joaquin and being like, tell me what you think was the role that Facebook had in the Capitol riots. You like trying down. to pin him down on that. I was no longer granted interviews after. Wow. I mean, you'd think that this is a now classified a domestic terror act. And if these guys are Facebook is recruiting 60% of the people who show up there, then they're supporting domestic terrorism. Um, so, you know, this is something they've really got to be accounted for. This is not one of those things we can just keep, you know, it's my big fear is that we'll just let 2016 slide by. We'll just go back to business as normal. We cannot do that, especially with Facebook, because they're mm -hmm. still out there operating on this, uh, this very extreme way. This is another reason why we need new domestic terrorism uh, legislation and laws. And uh, the FBI has been asking for this. Um, you know, we don't have a domestic terror act. They're not, it, it, Facebook uh, took care of the ISIS problem very quickly <laughs> when that went on their platform, when that was identified. They, they can very quickly go in and sweep out a problem. They really can. Mm -hmm. um, they have the power to do that. That's what Karen's reporting is showing us. And mm -hmm. that's also what her expertise is is that yes this is these are incredibly powerful tools just like they can instigate and radicalize they can they can clean shit up right it's like yeah you know it, it's all it's all learning it's 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 machine learning so i i think if we can get some laws going about domestic terror and then these groups get designated as domestic terror groups they will have no choice but to clean it out that is one of the ways that we can force them to to stop this because you can't you can't help you can't help the growth you you yeah. know law, law enforcement has the right to go in and tell them to stop doing this and to make sure they can how much out. growth does uh, mark zuckerberg need i mean honestly it's ridiculous right. um greg do you have anything you want to jump in on here with? Are, are, are we sure that mark zuckerberg himself is not ai and his prime directive is not just to do growth <laughs> at all costs just like <laughs> wally's prime directive was to get rid of the garbage and i don't know he may well be I, I, he, he acts like it. My, my, I, I have a question. This is all very, this is fascinating stuff, yeah. but, uh, and, and good, I know it's hard to get in, in there and not piss off the people that you need to not piss off to get the information. So, you know, well, well done by you. My question is what, what, what can be done about it? Like Facebook is too big at this point to just like people on, on our little thing are like, let's dismantle it. It's, it's too big to be dismantled mm -hmm. and it's too valuable to be dismantled. So is it something where replacing the leadership at the top will do the trick, will regulating it do the trick or will like in the movie War Games, the AI will discover that actually radicalizing people <laughs> is bad. What do you think? Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. <laughs> um, well, I can say what I don't think would work. I don't actually know if replacing the leadership is sufficient. Not to say that that wouldn't be a good first step, but one of the interesting things that I um, talked with former employees a lot about is the fact that Facebook has become so big that it's really beyond the control of any individual. Um, and what happens is all of the teams the only way that the leadership now sort of dictate how people operate within the company is by creating these like really um, detailed incentives 
for every team. So they have key performance metrics that every employee under a particular team is supposed to meet and their pay and their promotion and all of that is tied to whether or not they meet those incentives. And the leadership kind of just like tweaks and tunes those incentives trying to figure out like how to actually make the whole company operate better and how to make its platform operate better. Um, But it's gotten to the point sort of where they have actually no idea. Like a lot of their investment as employees described to me is about trying to figure out what precisely is the right incentive structure to not create a perverse incentive structure. Mm. And that wouldn't change even with leadership gone, right? Like the new leadership would have to completely overhaul the way that the company operates from the ground up. They would have to change the business model. They would have to change all of it. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, but I think what I really hope to see is I know that Facebook will 100% do the same thing it has been doing for a very long time, which is exactly what you've all been saying that they get up in front of Congress and they say all of this like technical jargon and try and confuse everyone and create this whole narrative that the problem is so technically complicated that even the smartest people in the world can't quite fix it yet. And I just hope that people recognize that that is show that is all for show. There are clear solutions that they've already invented that they have not been using. So yeah, I that that is like my greatest hope that people it's a good start hope. looking past the smoke and mirrors. And, you know, it's great that you came on the show tonight and helped people understand what's going on there. I'm going to post the article again uh, under the feed of the show, but I did post it earlier. People should really check it out, uh, how Facebook got addicted to spreading misinformation. Misinformation, sorry about that. Um, and that's in the MIT uh, Tech Review by Karen Howe. And uh, Karen, thanks so much for joining us on, on Narrative. It's been great to have you on. Hopefully you'll be back again. Thank we make you this so a bigger much for story. having me. Cheers. Have a good night. Bye, Karen. Good night. Good night. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Hey, I mean, wow. She's so, uh, she was was so smart in this article. I have a bit of a thing about AI and I know sometimes people have find it hard to understand, but I really enjoy how AI works and it can be a force for such real good in the world. And yet it could be such a force for evil. And, and I think we're seeing it in Facebook. We have to get Facebook. I mean, you say Greg that you can't get Facebook shut down, but maybe you can. I mean, I could live without Facebook. I'd, I'd be fine without it. There's lots I of other. No, but, I, but a lot of people make their money with it at this point. Like it's so tied into the economy that it would. Can we just seize it and have the government run it as a public utility? That's what I, yeah. I'm all for. That. I mean, I could work. Let's socialize um, it. Yeah. I mean, it's a criminal enterprise. It really is. I'm not even sure that the revenue that, that they come up with and the numbers and the metrics they have. I don't believe half of those. I just don't believe. No, that. and we know that that's wrong too. We know so, that Sheryl Sandberg uh, lied about all that stuff too, and fudged all that stuff too, and is lying about the people who are paying that they they don't have the uh, the uptake that they are saying that they do. It's all. Everything about it, it's like Enron met Frankenstein (laughs) meets, um, you know, the the 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, Right. It's It's crazy. It's really awful. It's a really awful company. And I think they lured her there um, because they thought, you know, because they can get they need they always need good press. Yeah. They just need good press, but they also need jargon. They need Mm. technique no jargon for what they're doing and i think they thought okay here's a young person and then she'll put in her article like you know their version their 
their AI version of social justice warrior. They needed like an acronym and they needed like mm. a thing, right, that they could pump and promote. And they thought, okay, this woman will just, you know, they're just thieves. Yeah. They, I mean, they probably That's thought she was going to give them some positive press, uh, yeah. judging by her first few interviews, and then it didn't turn out to be her analysis at the end. And no. it seems like that's a brave reporting there and uh, really smart of her to do that and in yeah. a good publication. So it'll be interesting to see how Facebook reacts. I hope people put pressure on, on whichever Senate committee or House committees, which would it be? It's like intelligence almost, right? right? Someone needs to put pressure on these guys to, to have another hearing or at least do something about this. Um, it, uh, Greg, do, we could do COVID next, or we could talk about uh, bipartisanship. Do we feel like yeah. COVID? Which one do you want to do? Let's do. Let's do bipartisanship. What's what you got on your let's mind? Do, let's let's do bipartisanship. Um, yeah. yeah, this is my topic for the week. And I before we start, LB, I went to the the heat, the furnace turned on, so I went to turn it off before it was loud. And where the mute button is on every other thing, it's like this is like the super loud button. So sorry. <laughs> it was just me running. I want to let you know. It's I okay. just no, no, I, okay. I hit the you wrong button. Is, is what yeah, it was. You I never did know think what to do it. Have to so, run off and um, do. Right. Is, yeah, is the furnace yeah. okay was, now? The oh, furnace okay. is right okay. by my head, so if it oh. turned on, it would sound like a jet engine was coming, okay. Okay. and you would think that the Russians were coming for me. So, um, okay, bipartisanship. <laughs> they are. Um, <laughs> I had on my podcast a couple weeks ago Eric Bollert, who does Press Run, which is a Substack that that he's a media critic and he's really good. And his big thing lately is how the media is covering Biden compared to, uh, you know, covering Trump because they always it, the narrative for them is always Democrats in disarray. And this idea of bipartisanship, there the people in the press are slamming Biden, and he points out how stupid this is for for not being bipartisan with his thing. It isn't that a problem for Biden and it isn't a problem for the Democrats. This isn't bipartisan, this this thing that they did. But the, the, the fact is, I mean, it's that that's the narrative. And if you go and look at the press and you look at the newspapers, you'll see it. Why isn't Biden being bipartisan or this or that? It, it, it's everywhere. This fucking idiot frame. Right. So what what the media is ignoring are two things. First, the, the COVID relief bill has an 83% approval rating, which is really high. So the question isn't, why isn't Biden being bipartisan? It's why aren't the Republicans voting for something that like everybody fucking wants? The only yes, people that don't right. want it are super rich people, I guess, and morons. I don't, I don't know who, who doesn't want this. Like, yeah. uh, you know, people that the last five like deficit spending hawks, you know, in, in the country, like people who read Reason magazine, I guess. I, I don't even know who the other people are. So it's the Republicans that are going to have a problem with explaining to their constituents why they voted no in in as a monolith for something that so many people want and that will help so many people almost immediately. That's one. And two, the GOP is no longer like, it's not your dad's Oldsmobile or Buick or whatever it is. This is not the GOP of Eisenhower. This is not even the GOP of Nixon or Reagan. Well, maybe a little Reagan. This has become a radicalized insurrectionist fascist party of authoritarians yep. who are opposed to democracy. That's what they are. So to, to go to go Chris Saliza-ing around pretending that everything is hunky-dory and that the rules are still the same as they were in 1962 is complete. It, it, it's just denial of reality. And we have to, I think, as a nation and certainly as a press, have to recognize what the Republicans are up to here. They have, you know, they have they, they did a coup attempt on January 6th. They were all for it. 
they, you know, a hundred and some odd House members signed on to that terrible thing that the the five years indicted AG of Texas did about wanting to overturn the votes. These guys are there. Every state house now that has a Republican control is trotting out these voter suppression laws. They want a authoritarian state in the United States. Leonard Leo and the Supreme Court are poised to give it to them, as we've discussed on this show and as we wrote about in the Kavanaugh series with LB and, and my piece on Leonard Leo, that's what we're up against. Yep. And um, in 2016, don't... we were attacked from without. The Russians attacked us, attacked our democracy. In 2020, we were attacked from within. Mm-hmm. We survived. But I tell you, I'm not happy. I, I, the last couple of weeks, I've not been well because I. it's almost like I was almost in a car accident and then I kind of blocked it out. And mm-hmm. now I'm starting to remember. And we were so close to losing everything. So, yeah. so close. I mean, I, I don't think it, I, even I've fully processed how close we came to losing everything. Yeah, and we have to be really careful. Now, B- Come- Biden and Kamala are working like 60. God bless them. And let's keep, keep it going. Merrick Garland's only been there for a day. We'll give him another week before we get <laughs> on his case. But um, they have to move fast because this is, this is a one little yeah. breath, a little breather, because once the midterms come, if they win any of the, the House or the Senate, that's it. We're fucked unless major changes are made. I'll tell you one thing that they are don't want to pass or don't want to support the the bill, the COVID bill was it's you know a two a trillion dollar redistribution of wealth to the poor people of America, or and yep. which have ne- never happened before, and so they're worried everybody. about yeah. uh, well, to everybody, but also people, not, not just the, rich, the poor, the non-rich, people. the non-rich people, I should say, yeah. they're worried yeah. about those non-rich people finding it easier to get to polling stations so they can vote next time because their number one concern is to get people stopping to vote. So if you give people childcare and you give people who know, you know, all the other things that might be impediments to voting, that is a big deal for them. Now, that's not a good reason, of course, but that's what they're doing with that. The other thing you were talking about, which is the, uh, the sort of the, the trauma that we're all currently experiencing, the sort of post-traumatic trauma that we're yeah. currently experiencing, I think it's kind of real. I think everyone's going through it. We've now had a moment to go, ah, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh, shit, look what just happened. We almost lost the entire republic because we've all been fighting so hard. that I think that's not unusual, Greg, what you're going through. I think there is a sort of PTSD happening. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's that. It's that. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a psychological can, thing. And we are everybody watching this show. Yeah, is, it feels it. Believe yeah. me. I, yeah. ha- I think so. I, c- I couldn't even function last Friday. I, I, everything hit me. I hit a wall. I hit a wall. Um. And it was rough. Um, and then I got past it. <laughs> but I think that's it's going to be waves. There's going to be waves of yeah. us um, because, you know, we have this pandemic in here, too. Um, and we're still dealing with this horrible press that we have that it, 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 I, what is it? Oh, my God. I don't know. I, I feel like they're they have Stockholm syndrome. And, and we have PTSD, and <laughs> and where are the healthy people? Where, maybe Joe and Kamala. I don't know. Um, but, but they're doing such a good job. Yesterday, watching yeah. uh, Joe Biden's address was just calming in such a good way. And yeah. yet, at the same time, that's when I started feeling the anxiety. Okay, they've taken care of that. That's good. But now, like you know, you're going to start looking after yourself and thinking about well, you know, what's going to happen. And then you start thinking about what you were thinking, which is the next election and how traumatizing and scary that is. All of us who've you know spent so many years in the trenches here to spend another two years 
where we have to get, you know, make sure there's no suppression uh, of those votes in, in the next election. That's, and it's a very serious threat that's coming down the pike there for, uh, for everybody. No? I agree with you completely. I agree with the PTSD. I mean, I feel like I have that. You know, I've had that in real life before this. But, uh, you know, it was a very triggering four years. But like I tell people, I think we're at the end of season one of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I really think we're, we're at the beginning of what of the damage that has been done because Trump went away to some extent. But, you know, a, a hundred other people came in his place, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and, you know, Jim Jordan and all these guys you know, they're pumping this poison, you know, on the floor of, of, of the house every day. And you have all this next generation. This is what I'm concerned with. The kids that grew up watching what happened on January 6th and their parents sitting there pointing at the TV and going, that's right. Those are real patriots. Look at them go. You know, yeah. there's people who still believe that the right thing happened that day. You know, that Trump is the legitimate president. You know, so still. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the people that were brainwashed watching Fox News every night that are still watching Fox News and listening to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and all these guys poison their minds. And all those kids are getting on Facebook like we just learned from your last guest. You know, those teenagers are getting indoctrinated with the same micro targeting AI, you know, algorithms that we just talked about, the adults that went militia. You know, and we know Absolutely. how much more impressionable teenage minds are. So my point is not to like be a downer, even though that's kind of my job as a comedian <laughs> is to try to be funny but serious. But, you know, it's like take a breath, get your check, enjoy it, but be ever vigilant because because like Greg yeah. and LB just said, they win in two in, in two years. It's all over. And they yeah. come with maces and knives and stuff. And we yeah. show up with yoga mats, you know, like, so, you know, get kumbaya for a while, but get ready to put on some brass knuckles and fight for it. Because like Greg said, we lost it. And we don't really even understand how close we came to like living under an authoritarian, you know, oh, yeah. regime. You know, we came like w within a few hours, yeah. basically, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Well, the filibuster is very important, which is I, you know, yeah. think important for everyone to know. It's the most boring thing to talk about. But the filibuster is the one thing that needs to be reformed in order to fight some of these anti-suppression laws or these suppression laws. Um, and there are good, some good suggestions out there about how to reform it. Um, and, I, you know, people really have to pay attention to this particular issue. We don't have to dive into it now because it is kind of complex. But it is the thing that can actually really help. Democrats as they as they as they you know go through this process of trying to figure out how to how to combat this GOP um, attack on democracy, which is continuing. I'll be sorry, um, to Zeb, Zeb. I'm sorry. You need three of the four of us to agree to continue to go with that topic. Uh, okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can we can reform that rule though. We can. We can yeah, reform it. Okay. Sure. <laughs> LB, you, I interrupted you. Sorry. I didn't mean to. No. No. Uh, uh, no. I just I think investigations and arrests help a lot as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need Clarifying. to know what happened. We still point. do not know what happened. We're pretty good at tracking and following these people. Uh, you know, some of us here even know some of these people, and and calling out what we see and and you know. But that's not an investigation, and the reporting on it has been, uh, you know. Yeah. That some of it, some well, of it, some pretty good. Yeah, the Washington some, Post was some really of it good today. Exceptional, yeah. right? And, and and some of it kind of like, okay, they're framing stuff weird ways, but that's not an investigation. Mm -hmm. um, we need an investigation. These people need to be subpoenaed. 
um, and we need we need the FBI in there. We need the Justice Department in there. We need Senate committees. We need House committees. While we have them, so that people could see what this party did. Mm-hmm. It, the party did it, and mm-hmm. then and then all of that momentum has to keep motivating people, overcome any obstacle, still crawl over broken glass to vote um, in the midterms because we got to take. We cannot lose the house. We cannot lose it. And no, no little phrase that, you, that anybody thinks is a perfect little slogan um, is more important than our republic. So if your slogan isn't working because it's actually helping to push more people on the right in a harder position and motivating them to come out and vote as opposed to motivating the people we need to come out and vote so that your slogan can become a reality, um, maybe dump the frickin' defund the police slogan just yeah. dump it you don't right it's because it's it, you're never going to get it Wh- whatever you think that thing is going to get you it's not going to get you so and, and i think it, i think yeah, we all just shift really our work. thinking to that how do we win how do we win how do we win what gets us a win that's all that matters one thing that's going to get everyone to win is the end of covid um which you know God bless Joe Biden. I mean, what an incredible job this administration has done. In I think it's like they achieved the goal, right? They achieved the goal of 100 million in 100 days. That's unbelievable. Sorry, in 60 days, whatever we are right now. 50, it's 51 days today. 51 days. Not that anybody's counting. Oh, that's half the time to do with the, to achieve the goal that he was uh, wanted to achieve. Plus, he'll have a surplus of of coronavirus. So it's too soon to to go out yet. But we can start dreaming about what it might be like to have coviterance which would be the end of COVID in my world, at least that's my new word. Uh, there's a, uh, it took me a long time to come up with that actually. Um, and so tonight we're gonna go through a few things that uh, we would like to see go with uh, coronavirus and a few things uh, that we would like to see come back with coviterance. Um, now this is, coviterance was a, you know attributed to deliverance. Do, do any of you have musical instruments lying around anywhere there? I mean, if you guys have music instruments. Oh, oh, oh. You mean like this? Oh, yeah, it looks good. There you go. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Get out your banjo, very, Greg. Very good. Do you have, do you have banjo, Greg? I forgot. It's, it, it's, it's oh, locked in the closet. Oh, 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 yeah, really? Oh, yeah. We're going to do a duel. We're going to do a duel. It's dueling banjo. It's supposed to be dueling banjo. It's supposed to be That's dueling banjo. That's the whole thing. That was very yeah. good. You can keep playing. You can't have dueling banjos until until the quarantine is over, Zip. Okay. Nice. We'll do it again then. You can keep playing. I'm just going to go through a few slides here, okay. which you may find interesting or not. Probably better to hear and listen to you play. But things that we might be looking forward to. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, not having to order everything from uh, delivery and actually going to a real store. Maybe, maybe. I'm kind of interested in that. Um, we're looking forward to not having the kids at home all the time and having grandma come over and give us a good hug with grandma. We're also looking forward to not doing so much Netflix and chilling maybe going out and working out. And those of us who do this a lot, we're all looking forward to getting out of the Zoom room and getting into the boozy lunches that we miss so much. 
You may be tired of masks um, and you may be interested in going back to the theater. So that's one of the things we're all looking forward to doing with Covidurance is getting some theater in. It's the end of takeout, not completely, but the end of takeout every day uh, with COVID and uh, the return of a fancy meal at a restaurant with Covidurance. And maybe you're interested in not staying at home so much and taking a trip to Paris or anywhere else in Europe. Uh, and while I have you here, it's also the end of fascism and the return to America. <laughs> the end of uh, the uh, insurrection and the return of liberty. And uh, the end of Putin and the arrival of Kamala. <laughs> and uh, also I'll be talking today about the end of Facebook and the, uh, the arrival of Prevail with Greg Oliar and Narrative as trusted sources of news. Oh, yes. uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now I'm going to find us how to put us back on camera. There we are. There we go. That's my bit. <laughs> Nicely done. Thanks, Noel. You are very, very talented. Yeah, well done. Yes. It's almost like a real show. We've got music and everything here. <laughs> I think that's, that's what I'm ready for. Yeah? I, I need some live music. I need to go hear some live music. I hear it's I coming care. back soon. Soon, soon, soon. They're already starting to play it. It's planned for that. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're yeah. planning on doing it soon. Wouldn't that be amazing to go to a concert? Oh, so nice. Oh, what else oh are you guys God. thinking about in the end of COVID? Any dreaming? You had an interesting one today, Greg, about sitting at a, at a, at a restaurant. Yeah, I, just want to go to, I want to go to a diner and you can, you know, the diners are open here, but the, you know, it's like every third table and you feel like you're in a, a plexic, like you're the boy in the bubble kind of thing when yeah. you're eating. It's very, it's not fun. Yeah. I just want to be at a diner and have my papers spilled out and have uh, waitress come and bring me coffee and just you know, spend a couple hours there and not have to worry about, you know, dying. That would be good. Yeah. And some me time, <laughs> because, you know, we're all living with our families. So <laughs> me time seems like a really good idea now when you're stuck in the same, yeah. under the same roof all the time with your family. Mm -hmm. LB, what are you thinking about? I, I just, everything you had on there, I'm so ready for it. I, I, I did have this conversation today because um, I went to the eye doctor. So I actually encountered another human being. That's big <laughs> for me. We don't do that often. <laughs> He was lovely. And we both said this. I don't know why we got on the topic, but we both were like, we're not going back to the movies. Now, this is the worst thing that a, a screenwriter can ever admit to or say. And I, I, I'm sorry for my whole industry for saying it. But I, I, don't, I don't like sitting in a chair that someone else was in. And I don't like this stuff. I don't like that. And we, I think what happened with, was even though our house was set up very comfortably and we move around, you know, we're just, we're a small family, so it was easy. But we got, we got, we made sure our entertainment stuff was kind of solid, right? Because we're stuck here. And I kind of like it. I, I don't right. know. So that's one I thing. Mean, I think there's stuff that I'm not going back to. But yeah. to be able to go and, and talk to people, that's, I'm looking forward to that. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So when the new Top Gun, movie. when the Top Gun movie comes out, you're just going to download it and watch it on your phone. That's what you're saying. Come on. <laughs> I don't know about my phone, but um, <laughs> there's big screens you know. though. You can have a big screen at home, and it's okay. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Noel, what about you? What are you going to miss, or what are looking forward to? I, I'm looking forward to orgies. You know, I really miss <laughs> large. <laughs> Just, you know, good old fashioned. 
anonymous. You can still have them with a mask on, you know. It's been. It's not the same on Zoom. It's not the same. You nailed it. That's fantastic. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go back to my Zoom. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Don't be blushing. And in all seriousness, you know, a plug for the arts. I miss going to Lincoln Center and hearing a symphony yeah. or seeing a ballet. You know, there there is no replicating that experience uh, in my mind. You know, a symphony only sounds like a symphony in that hall. It sounds great on a radio and it's fun to watch yeah. a ballet on TV. But there's something about Friday night going to Lincoln Center, you know, being packed in next to each other and seeing a performance that's world class that you can only see in a world class facility and enjoying it as a as one, you know, yeah. as a people. And then on the flip side yeah. of that, like a Springsteen concert at Madison Square Garden, you know, which I've worked yeah. on many and been to many, and that's healing for the soul. You know, music and performing arts can be like a church. You know, they're good for us to come together and realize we have the same hopes and dreams and we can cheer and laugh and cry together. We need that as a people. You know, that is gonna put us back on track quicker than anything else. So we all need a big shot of that wow. once it's safe enough to do. And then nice. come see me in a comedy club too, a real packed comedy club. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, exci I'm excited for that. Club. I'm excited I'm for that. I am too. That. Oh, you should just you should do an entire stand up routine for us uh, on narrative one of these nights and and we'll see how it goes on a on a live stream if you'll wait you All right. one, of, one of these yeah, nights. Yeah, uh, um, my pleasure. And that's is it that for tonight. Is that not what I was doing? No, not yet. <laughs> not, not, I haven't given you a whole stretch. <laughs> what is Although all you, this? You were pretty good. The orgy joke was pretty good. I I give you that. Yeah, yeah. And on on that note, uh, we should leave it tonight. Um, Tuesday on narrative, we have a really interesting show. We're going to look at the island of of Jersey, which is off the. British coast. It's uh, owned by the Queen, really, and everything that goes on in that island is really mysterious and also very mobbed up. Uh, so we'll have a very special show on Tuesday about that, and we'll see you otherwise Ooh, sure. uh, yeah. everywhere on Twitter and everywhere else. Thanks, guys. Thanks for another fun show, and have a great weekend. We'll see you again soon. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.